This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, All right, welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconewill, and him, my longtime friend, Robbie Earl. That's right, Robbie, I'm bringing the energy today. Wow. And that's because in next week's episode, which is our initial reactions to Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which you Mm -hmm. and I both saw last week in Atlanta, Georgia, we... Record that episode at 11 p.m. post-watching the <laughs> film in a tiny hotel room. So I just want people to remember, if you're listening next week and you hear us be kind of quiet in this chic hotel room, it's not because we didn't love the movie. <laughs> it's because we had to be quiet for our neighbors. So today I'm bringing the energy to overcompensate. Okay? So I love welcome. that. You know, I, I've actually been really excited for this. I'm normally not... It's not it's not that I dislike doing the spoiler-free previews, but I have mixed feelings often because it's like, well, I, you know, I can't say a ton. I don't want to say a ton because I feel like we're particularly spoiler-averse as a podcast, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one I've been looking forward to chatting about because I think you and I have both recognized that it's kind of a, a hard one to sum up in – Sure. A tweet or even a tweet thread uh, mm-hmm. for, you know, for, for some reasons we can maybe get into a bit here. But first, we have a couple of, uh, of Marvel yes. Cinematic Universe news updates. That's right. Breaking news. Here we go. Breaking <laughs> news. So I can start here. Yeah, come on. This has been long rumored, but officially now we have Wonder Man joining the MCU in the future and that Wonder Man is going to be played by Yaha Abdul Mateen yes that is excellent news for those that saw the HBO Watchmen series he plays a pivotal role in that series I'm not going to say what because I I realize that doing so would be a spoiler if people want to go watch that and I would recommend that you do it's Damon Lindelof uh, and it's oh my god fantastic yeah um, but also, which is kind of interesting, he's the star of the film Candyman, which was directed by Nia DaCosta, who is going to be directing the Marvels. So a lot of uh, kind of Cross superhero and MCU 
synergy. So if you're curious about his body of work, I would I would go check those two out first. But headline, he's incredible. Super, super charismatic actor. I think it's going to be a really good addition. The second piece of Marvel breaking news will be brought to you by our anchor, Robbie Earl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is another one I'm, I'm really excited about. Uh, we have known for a while that there is going to be one WandaVision spinoff, uh, which is the Agatha Harkness show. Now we are being told there is a new WandaVision spinoff, this one called Vision Quest, which some folks will remember if they listened to our show during WandaVision, Vision Quest was kind of heavily sourced there. Like some of the scenes from that comic arc or, or portion of the run were pulled straight into WandaVision. So it's interesting that they're now really doubling down there uh, and and really exploring the some of the white vision stuff that I think we speculated about towards the end of WandaVision, but didn't get a ton of additional follow-up on. Like in the you know, like we had some really great moments in the finale, but I think it was intentionally left with a question mark. So this is supposed to focus on Paul Bettany's vision sort of finding himself and figuring out his next steps. And that gets me super excited. One, because I've always loved Vision. I've loved the way Paul Bettany plays the character. I love the way that he's written. And so often he's he's just someone that other folks are kind of rebounding off of. Like we I think part hmm. of the reason I love WandaVision so much is because we have some scenes that are, you know, really the focus is Vision. But of course WandaVision as a series is really rooted in Wanda. And sure. so I think I think this is gonna be a really fun opportunity to see Paul Bettany do some great work and and I think it's gonna be way better than what I had kind of been thinking would happen, which is we're in like a Thunderbolts movie or something and he just shows up and you know, we don't really have any of those gaps filled in. So so another win for me in the uh, in the news department. That'll be interesting to track, no doubt. Our third and final piece of MCU adjacent news in this case is that it was announced last week that James Gunn is going to be the new Kevin Feige of sorts for DC, mm-hmm. which is pretty wild. On a lot of fronts, that's wild and obviously pertains to this podcast some because he is finished, I'm assuming, with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, but he still has a third film that Mm -hmm. I know he's still tweaking, guaranteed. Right. That comes out next May for Guardians. So he'll be promoting that and working on that all the while being the new DC Kevin Feige. So he's going to have to be working on both projects. And if Uh you thought that might be a little bit weird, man, James Gunn and Kevin Feige do everything to ease all your concerns. I don't know if you saw these clips, but uh, Kevin wished him nothing but the best, said he'll Mm. be the first in line to watch what he's doing. And Mm -hmm. James Gunn said Kevin was the first person he called when he heard this news or was discussing this news. Mm -hmm. And they had an awesome conversation about it. And he's still all in to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I think for me, this is probably like a win-win-win, personally. Not mm-hmm. that you need my opinion on it, but I love your opinion. I am obsessed with what he did in the first Guardians. I don't like the second Guardians, yet I do give him a lot of credit for what he tries. Like 
a lot of the critique that Dan Gavazin had of of directors right. not having a style. You can't say that about James Gunn. He, he right. clearly has a style. It's not always my thing, but mm-hmm. I think this is a win because he cares like Kevin cares. I think about these characters, about these stories, mm-hmm. and I think if you're going to put someone in charge of the other side of it, of DC, he's a perfect fit. You need someone who cares. You need someone who has the the ambition he has, mm-hmm. the like the style. Like I'd rather you commit to a, a direction and go, and I think right. he'll do that well. And I think we're still getting the final part of his trilogy for Guardians, so mm-hmm. I don't think there's any letdown there. And I don't know that I ever thought he was like a serious contender to take over another Marvel property. Right. Anyway, so I don't think that's necessarily a loss. And I don't mean that in a mean way. Right. I just don't know that. Like he, what he did for Marvel, I'm so thankful for. And I think it's okay to now move into this other role where I think he'll flourish. That's my hot take. No, I totally agree. I think that it's such a, it, I mean, I, you look at the, at the Russos, you look at John Watts. It leaves you in an interesting spot when you've seen a character all the way through an arc or a trilogy or however you want to think about it, where it's like, if you move on to just another character, then you're in danger of starting the whole comparison game. And it's, you know, it's how do you make something inventive in the same way that the first thing was while still channeling the things about your style that people enjoy? Sure. Like, I, I think it's just setting yourself up for trouble in some ways. And, and so I think that on the one hand, being able to kind of move into this role where I'm sure he will continue to direct certain projects at certain points, but moving into more of an executive space, I think gives him sort of a different kind of, of creative platform and he mm-hmm. gets to flex some different muscles. One thing that I'm, I'm really curious about, aside from the, <laughs> I think the, the overlap of, of him promoting two Marvel projects in the months immediately following his being named the the new head of DC Studios is just kind of a crazy situation. But like you said, mm-hmm. I think one that's um, going to be handled well. But the thing that I'm really curious about content-wise is I think there's, there's one big difference in my mind. Well, there are a lot of differences, but one big one between Feige and James Gunn that I think could inform the way we see these different studios – move forward which is request elaboration (laughs) kevin feige i think is a continuity nerd above all else i think that that's something that he really enjoyed about the the marvel comics universe and has really tried to bring over and that's been in so many cases the secret to the mcu's success is this feeling that like we always say everything matters And it's not about just Easter eggs. It's about, you know, like everything feels like it has stakes and weight and consequences. And it's not that James Gunn doesn't feel that way. But I was thinking about kind of a a couple projects. Mm -hmm. You know, the the Guardians films are pretty disconnected from the rest of the MCU. One Uh, of my biggest critiques of Guardians 2. Well, and, and, and to the degree they feel connected... It almost like I've always heard that that was Marvel really not forcing him, but nudging him towards, hey, put Thanos in Guardians 1. Yeah, right. You know, like, and so I think it doesn't seem like that, even just from his Marvel work, is really his emphasis creatively. And I also think that, you know, Guardians 3 
will be telling in this respect since we've talked about how I think that, that was drafted a while ago, the script. And sure, so right. was even that kind of outside of what we've seen happen in the Infinity Saga. But the the one that I think is maybe even more telling is you haven't seen either of these projects, but James Gunn has has been asked about the way that John Cena's character changes from the Suicide Squad film and the Peacemaker show. I have seen Suicide Squad, by the way. Oh, that's right. I always forget that. But I haven't seen Peacemaker, so I couldn't compare. Continue, sorry. But I saw this quote from Gunn that I thought was, was really intriguing, especially in light of this, where he said... That's not really his concern is is linking those movie like those projects continuity wise. His concern is telling the best story that's in front of him. So he it, thought, you know, here we are. This is the Peacemaker show. I could feel like I'm bound by all of these things that may or may not have been implied or set in place in the prior movie, or I can just do what I think is fun and works. Right. I think your point is fair. And I think you could sum it up by saying if they were like a creative player in Madden or they had different attributes, his caring of the cohesiveness of those stories is not his highest priority. I would add one other thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you had them on a scale as well, I would say Kevin is probably more of a fan of the source material. And like Kevin is a diehard like comics and and, and these characters lover. And he still cares about film. But that's below his love of these characters, the actual film. I feel like you could swap those for James Gunn. Like he cares about film Mm -hmm. and the way he's making the story. And he does care about the comics characters and the source material, but that's a step below his love for just the story of the movie. I think that's that's a, no, I think that's a great point. I mean, because you look at the guardians, none of those characters were, were well known in in the way that he made them. So it's not as though he was sort of lovingly adapting this story from the comics. He really created his own his own thing. I, the reason I I raise that is is just I, I've talked on here about the different ways that the DC and Marvel comics universes are structured, where Marvel really is for the most part this one moving universe, like we talked about with Douglas Wilk, and they do have kind of offshoots here and there, like the ultimate universe, but by and large, it's all happening the way that the MCU does in one big timeline. DC has had a lot more timeline resets, random universes, you know, and then you look at the DC films right now versus the MCU, where we've got the Matt Reeves Batman universe, we've got the Justice League universe, and then we've got the Joker. Joker and it's soon to be universe ish. Yeah. They're yeah, making another I mean, one. It, which, which, but yeah, both have sequels greenlit. So yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see if gun, you know, like a Candace and I just saw black Adam over the weekend, which was a trip and we won't talk about it here, but that clearly takes place in the justice league universe, you know, like the one that, that has been expanded on with Aquaman and stuff. And so I'm like, so you legitimately have to look at the property, see the name DC, and then put it in one of like three or four different <laughs> universes. Right. For real. I'm not joking. Yeah. Because you could also include like the, the Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, right? Oh, like true. that was yeah. before all that, which exists in none of this, you know? Yeah. And, and and they have a very significant ongoing animated universe that is sort of its own thing that's building. And so I think 
I would be fascinated to hear Gunn talk about his intentions for this. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see it. But I wonder if just given what we talked about with his own proclivities and then with just the state of DC Studios, I wonder if he just tries to get away from the Kevin Feige shadow entirely and just say, like, I'm not building a universe. Like, I'm just telling a bunch of stories based on DC Comics. Totally. It'll be interesting to track and we'll see pretty soon. We'll get an answer, right? If he starts over, if he ties them all together, if it's just like a, a new start from here and pretends like now he started with his films, you know, oh, yeah. we'll see. Um, okay. Trivia time. And then we'll get into a spoiler free preview of black Panther Wakanda forever. And again, just a reminder, we haven't spoiled anything yet. And if you want to hear nothing about that film, we'll give you a chance to turn this off before we get into that. But I think we have some interesting insight, especially given that we have recorded our initial reactions episode already. So there's a few things we want to prep you for as well. Okay, trivia time. As an update, the last trivia question was from Age of Ultron. My question was, what is the first line Nick Fury has in the film? Mm -hmm. To which you knew the answer. And many people knew the answer. Do me a favor. Try not to bring it to life. (laughs) As a reminder, this happens when Tony is asked to look at the John Deere tractor in Barton's farmhouse <laughs> garage, and Nick Fury is shockingly in there. And it actually leads to an incredible conversation between the two of them. I know it's one of your favorite scenes. It is. That bit of dialogue. And you get to see a rawness uh, to Tony that you just mm-hmm. don't get very often, which is great. Scenes like that get me excited for Secret Invasion. Absolutely. Okay, two questions this week, Ravi. First up, here we go. Cue the music. This is from Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange. Pretty simple. What is the Wi-Fi password at Convertage? I can picture it. But and I, I actually knew this. I got this one right myself as I was thinking to ask it because of the tie-in to She-Hulk. Remember I said it would have been fun if Emil had said that right, in the post credit right. scene of the finale. So that's the first question. First person to message me. Again, you'll get a Friends from Work t-shirt if you haven't already. And here's the second question from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And an update to my rankings is coming pretty soon, by the way. We're getting close. Oh, nice. Okay. In, in this break. Okay, this is a really deep cut, okay? I don't even think you'll know this one. I'm trying to stump people here. I was a long way into the film before I came up with the question. Okay. What did Yondu say he was, or he was doing, before he became a Ravager? So I'll give people a hint here, because this is really complicated. They never really dive into Yondu's past, but obviously this is the first film where we're talking about how he picked up kids and delivered them, whatever. But when they're sitting in the jail cell, remember when he's locked up in his own ship? Yeah, he's having a conversation, and one line he says basically what he did pre-Ravager. I I think I remember this. But I'm not gonna say anything lest it gives give things away. I'll ask you offline. Okay, I love it. There you go. Okay, and uh last but not least. I want to update people on our Epic Hero Shop giveaway because we got an incredible amount of submissions. If you've been seeing these, I've been sharing them on all our social media outlets. Um, Holy cow. Y'all dressed up 
for Halloween and we loved it. Thanks for using the hashtag Epic Heroine. We are not going to choose a winner or two winners in this case on this podcast, but know that the winners will be chosen this week on our social media outlets. So make sure you're following the FFW podcast and at Epic Hero Shop. And that's where we can announce our next two winners. I got some incredible ones, a lot of Thor, a lot of fat Thor and a lot of even like uh, mighty Thor and ripped like eighties, uh, eighties Thor, you know? So clearly that was one of the bigger characters this summer. And then, you know, a few Wanda's of course, got to uh-huh. get those in there. A few mm-hmm. Loki variants. And then maybe my favorite personally was in an Epic She-Hulk outfit, fully green. The yeah. Whole deal. That was super impressive. So, we're going to choose two winners. That'll be fun. Candace and I were uh, Wilson Fisk and Matt Murdock, respectively. A very popular choice. I can't choose you, but, it, you know, <laughs> it was a fan favorite. No, you guys it, looked uh, amazing. It was, it was a lot of fun. I just like that I now own Matt Murdock glasses. Just, and Candace somehow no, no. got the exact shirt. Oh, yeah. it was. Uh, we spent some time digging, and she, the suit she got was perfect like it was like three sizes too big but fit in like just the right way where it like it like gave stuck her out the, a little bit yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, nice yeah. uh she had she had the cane and yep. uh the hawkeye like hawaiian shirt <laughs> so. yeah and you had the red glasses yeah so you found a pair or at least yeah. they looked reddish no they yeah yeah they they're like official uh the case says like matt murdoch on it and like daredevil so fight i'll have to i'll have to put and then i had a little bandage on my face because you know yeah he's always getting beat up always it's, getting beat up it's shocking how good you look in that photo <laughs> i mean you look just in general attractive but then wow. also so similar to matt murdoch it's crazy it's like a similar build hairstyle is pretty not that far off you need to grow a little more facial hair though I know, he's got I know. you beat in that department that. yeah i might yeah i, I mean I, I thought about committing like hardcore to the haircut, but then it's like which Matt Murdock haircut, you know, he looks so good in all of them. Good point. Fair. Definitely. He's got the part. I I think of it as the parted hair a little bit, you know, like a little bit swung over, but that's more of his like lawyer haircut. And then maybe I want to go for like the, the young weird haircut Matt that's in love with Electra in a way that doesn't feel particularly compelling. Stealing appetizers in the back of the kitchen uh, while crashing some party (laughs) and just, feels so strange. All right, here we go. Robbie and I, like we said, had a chance to watch Black Panther Wakanda forever a week ago in Atlanta, Georgia. Opening night, we tweeted a few initial reactions, and we are back to give you a little more in-depth, spoiler-free preview of Black Panther Wakanda forever. If you want nothing spoiled, this is your get-out-of-jail-free card. Here we go. Get out of here. Can't you see we don't want you anymore? mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so 
There are so many things I want to say, obviously. So many things that get me pumped up and just fired up to talk about. So many things that we can't talk about here. Because as you mentioned earlier, you and I are sticklers for spoilers. And we really want your experience to be as fresh and complete as ours was. So we're not going to get into any kind of details. And that Mm -hmm. makes this conversation always, like you said, a little bit harder to talk about. One of my big takeaways, though, since recording our initial reactions episode, since seeing the film, and then getting a chance after we recorded that stuff, remember, mm-hmm. to see other responses, right? So we we do our tweet, we do our reaction before knowing what the overall consensus is, and then we saw the consensus, and that always kind of is interesting to look at. Yeah. How does that differ from what we talked about? One of the overarching takeaways you and I had is just how unique of a moment we live in with these Marvel films where the bar is so high and you are counted on to put out a tweet that is so one way or the other. There's so little nuance in these Mm -hmm. tweets. You only have 140 or whatever it is, 220 characters. And people are looking for you to say this is the best Marvel film or a top five Marvel film or say it's an absolute failure. It's a train wreck. Mm -hmm. And you know, you and I just so rarely fall in either one of those camps. In general, we rarely right. do, which is fascinating. And and I saw that fall out a little bit online. I don't know if you have tracked this, but you know, a few of the people that really, really, really loved it and said it was like the best film of the MCU that got shared a lot. And there were some people I won't mention their name uh, personalities that said they didn't love some things and. Apparently there was so much drama around said person uh, saying he didn't love said things that said person put out like a follow-up video being like, wow, everyone back off. Um, <laughs> just crazy. And, yeah. I, and I don't agree with said person's opinions often, mm-hmm. but I understand the feeling of the pressure of how much people can come after you yeah. for liking or disliking something. I get that too. Not to say we're on that same level. Anyways, I just thought it was fascinating that overall, I think almost everyone loved it. We loved it. Right. Like, I think everyone thinks it's good. Uh, and then just fascinating to watch the lack of nuance you're able to have in a tweet if you don't think it's the best thing ever. That's all. Yeah. I think, you know, in light of our conversation last week about – you know, the, the good and the bad and, and what sort of takes are, are acceptable and likely to be shared. Sure. Like, it's it's funny because having done this a few times now, when you have a movie that premieres this far in advance, and that hasn't always been the case for us, right? Like, right. I think this Multiverse of Madness was just days, like the premiere was days before the wide release. It's been different, right? Uh, Spider-Man was just days before, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And then Thor was weeks before. Yeah, I mean, so Thor was even more than than this, I think. And Thor was the one that I I found really instructive because we walked out of the theater and not only were the folks around us excited, but also the, the Twitter reactions we started seeing were so effusive, like where it was like, it's the best Thor movie, incredible. Like everything was just like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 to where we felt right. like our tweet about it was actually like going to get flack for being too harsh. Well, now like, sure. you know, fast forward to to the release and, you know, it's like got in the 60s on Rotten Tomatoes and it's at the very Is divisive it that low movie. Now? I think wow. so. 
Wow. Um, but yeah. And so, you know, it's like those initial reactions, I'm not saying that those people are not sincere, but whether it's because the people that are there are just naturally, since they're people that cover Marvel movies, more into Marvel movies, or, you know, because I think there is a little bit of pressure from folks to try to get something out that will get traction and oh, you know, totally. saying something is the best anything is going to get some kind of traction. Or worst. So, and right, it's not. right. Yeah. So I, you know, coming out of Black Panther and seeing that is is tricky because I just don't know how much that response speaks to the quality of the movie. And and sure. I loved the movie, but it's almost like when you see these stories of like Don't Worry Darling, which came out one a month or oh, two yeah. ago, like when it premiered, I think at Venice, there was like a five minute long standing ovation or something like that. You know, and and so it gets all this buzz like, oh, my gosh, we, it's, it must be insane. And then it comes out and it's like, wow, wow. And so and did terribly in the box. Yeah, office. terribly. And so I just this is not at all a commentary on how good I think Black Panther is. I just I sure. think it's been an, an interesting lens to where I'm I'm now fascinated to see where this actually lands on like Metacritic and lands for general audiences versus kind of how it hit the the initial reaction crowd. So here's my other huge takeaway that I think will help explain our tweets, which by the way, you and I both put effort into like we, we come up right. with those together. That is not a one person doing it thing, especially since we've been seeing those screeners together. So we're in the same room when we do mm -hmm. that. Um, I thought, first of all, we had a blast. Oh, it's yeah. a reminder of just how good Marvel is at this stuff. I was just actually editing you and Candace's episode for the comics corner. And what she said is true. The ceiling for Marvel, the Marvel universe is so high, but I think the more impressive thing almost is that the floor is so high. Like there are no right. garbage films in the Marvel cinematic universe. And by the way, I'm not meaning to imply this gets even close to that. I right. left going like I had so much fun. And it's really good. Like everything is good. There is nothing in this film that is bad. Like nothing mm -hmm. is a train wreck. Nothing would pull it, pull you out or pull you down. It's just a very quality story. That's why I said in the initial reactions you hear next week, I'm like, it's just quality right. to me across the board. But what's interesting is you'll hear us talk about this a lot next week. I think phase four, as we've said so many times has been the phase of massive stylistic swings. Mm -hmm. So let's just go back for a second. Shang-Chi was its own thing. New character, mm -hmm. different style, very like different part of culture that the MCU has not been accustomed to. Eternals was a very big swing to do a huge cast and add these characters that had nothing to do with the MCU at this point, the celestial side of it, very mm -hmm. different, right? No Way Home, maybe not as big stylistically, but including the Sony characters was a big deal. And like the fact they pulled that off was crazy. Mm -hmm. Then we get all the shows from this year being all new characters. And we talked about how different stylistically She-Hulk is. And Miss Marvel is trying for a different audience that the MCU's never even right. had in general. Right. And then the films this year, Multiverse of Madness, you walk out of it and you're like, some people are going to love this. Others are just going to freaking hate it. Honestly, mm -hmm. they're going to hate it. And Thor, same thing. We talked about how we were like, wow, that's amazing. 
But holy cow, some stuff is going to be so far out there that other people won't dig this. Mm -hmm. I say that all to say, I feel like Wakanda Forever is almost the exact opposite in that way. In the way that Black Panther, the original film, was so revolutionary in what it was doing Mm -hmm. for the MCU and for our culture in general, Mm -hmm. this movie to me doesn't have that aspect. Like, I don't think there was anything in this film that was so stylistically different that it's going to polarize anybody, really. Like, I don't. I don't see a lot of people walking out of that going, wow, that's bad in the way they do with Thor and multiverse of madness. And that's one part of the tweet I wanted to explain. You and I both kind of agreed, especially towards the end of our initial reactions episode, that it almost in that way feels like a phase three film where as you're watching it, you're like, I am firmly in the MCU. Like I am centered. I know where Mm -hmm. I am. And stylistically it's not taking huge swings. Mm-hmm. It's just very, 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 very good at the smaller swings it's taking. Right. So that's what I wanted to clarify. Like, I just think it's different than the previous two films at this point, it, especially in how polarizing it will be. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, like the the headline, I think, of of every initial reaction and ours is – how emotional the movie is and how well it handles its very emotional subject matter. Like, I, I think that it's fair to say this is, this probably is the heaviest Marvel movie ever. And I don't think that's hyperbolic to say, just given the real life circumstances and the in-universe circumstances. Um, and I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something I'm insecure about our next week's episode is I hope we didn't undersell how effective this film is on handling the emotional side of things. Because yeah. and I think I remember, I think I remember we talked about it a lot, but yeah. Yeah, that I is think- the greatest part of this film is mm-hmm. how it's handling the subject matter. And I was legitimately like tearing up mm-hmm. water in my eyes at multiple points in the film. And that's the best part about it. So don't, if anyone's saying that part's not handled well, they're just wrong, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And and that's why I think ultimately this movie is... A win. It, yeah, I mean, and, and it's one that I think is going to stick with... It has stuck with me. I've thought about it a lot. It's one I'm really excited to watch again just because the, the wins in this movie... Are, it's not just that they're big wins, it's that they're all they're also character oriented. Like, I think what's you know, like you come out of out of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and I think a lot of the hype around that was some of the cameos, you know, some of the visual craziness, some of the like, oh my gosh, the multiverse is open in this kind of crazy way. But I don't think that there were a ton of conversations about like how great of a of a character movie that was for strange like i did like how it followed up on elements of that first film that we haven't seen in a bit that's such a good point but you know but here it's like i just i'm i think back to really especially the kind of the the royal family and the adjacent folks there like the wakandan cast that we got to know from the first film but one way one way I think this movie is set apart for me, the quality of some of these performances is just insane. Like the like Angela Bassett in particular, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Like there were like there was a moment where I like nudged you and I was like, whoa, because yeah, me too. It was just a scene that was like, so, I mean, like excellent, excellent stuff that I think is like we've always praised the MCU for ever since RDJ getting really good performances out of their cast. So this is not me saying that like normally Marvel acting is mediocre, but there were just some moments in this movie that I think given the how personal the project is to the to the folks working on it that just feel really, really special and really beautiful. And no so doubt. that I think is our, is our headline. And then in, in terms of other positives from, from my perspective, just for people to kind of be prepared for, and you know, cause my hope with an episode like this is just help set the table and, and frame people's expectations. I think that it, it generally looks incredible like we both yep. talk about that, like it definitely a step up from the first film in terms of visuals and action and all that. Um, yeah, I'm smiling because I, well, I can't say it. I can't say everything, but so, some of the things that I have famously on this podcast complained about from the first Black Panther mm-hmm. are improved slash solved slash amazing here. Let me just put it that way. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Well, and, and some of the, you know, just even from what, folks have seen in the trailers just because we have Namor as, as such a prominent part of this film and the the kind of underwater scenes that come out of that just automatically makes it visually distinctive from anything else in the MCU right and and, and then that part when Aquaman shows up it's yeah, just like, I mean, and they battle it out it's so yeah. totally wow. unexpected and just, can't guess it but, you know, makes sense with the James Gunn move. It's all connected now. <laughs> right? uh, it's the ultimate tie-in <laughs> of all of it. I, I mean, I couldn't help but think about Aquaman. I mean, I'm sure everybody will when they see this. And to me, it's just just night and day on how it looks visually, on how it's handled thematically. Like, it's... I'm... I'm almost, it, Honestly, it makes me grateful for Aquaman existing because i think that in some I'm ways the, the need to make namor feel so different from the way he does in the comics was kind of a reaction to how similar namor in the comics is to the version of aquaman that they have sure. in the movie uh and so i you know i'm sure that kugler would have sort of fought for a more creative approach regardless but i think that feeling the need to stray from that led them to to do something much more effective on that point too uh which is the other like the namor as a character i I think it's it's so that adaptation is incredibly well handled um from the perspective of someone that you know has followed that character in the comics and and has been looking forward to the way that they bring him into the mcu yeah you'll hear us talk about that no doubt i want to keep this episode tight because again i don't think talking too long about this does anyone any good right so I think you in general should just enjoy it. But I love that final point you made where this is different to me is that the wins, they do all center around the characters. Mm-hmm. It puts such an emphasis on the characters. Mm-hmm. Dare I say even more than the connectivity and or the story, like the plot of what is going to go down. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that way, in that way, it is a massive win. I was asked on Twitter Two things when we posted that first tweet. Somebody said, oh, no, is that going to take it out of contention for awards? 
And I said, well, first of all, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily see this winning best picture like Black Panther was up for. But I do right. think that there's going to be some things like the score is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's probably going to be nominated for best score. Mm-hmm. It would have a legit case for like best visual effects and or sound editing. Mm-hmm. And I think Angela Bassett would have a legit case at some I don't know what it would be. Supporting actress, yeah. maybe. I think she'd have a yeah. legit case. And I could see her being nominated in this film, which is not something I would have had on my bingo card two years ago. You know, right. that T'Challa's mom would be right. like such a, a star here. But she is. Yeah. And maybe there are other things besides that, but that was just my gut right away. And the second thing was somebody asked, how does this compare to Black Panther? Because that's actually one of the most uh different films for you and I in our rankings. I think you have oh, it at yeah. like it's somewhere like six to eight and mine's yeah. like fourteen to sixteen. Mm-hmm. So in general we agree on most things, but that's a, a decided one. And I can't wait to see this film again. I need to get more information on it. I want to experience it again in a different setting. Mm-hmm. And then my gut when I walked out of the theater said I think that Black Panther on my critic list Mm-hmm. would probably be higher slightly than this film. But I think my preference list, Wakanda Forever, would probably decently surpass the first one, which is wild. We're going to start getting into really interesting discussions when you start separating these lists out. Because yeah. I just think yeah. Wakanda Forever was maybe doing a little less mm-hmm. than what the first movie meant. But I had such a fun watch of it that – if right. you ask me right now, I mean, obviously it's recency bias, but mm-hmm. I'd rather watch this one again right now. And I think probably a few more times before I'd be like, you know, if I had to watch yeah. a movie 10 times, it'd probably be this one, seven and Black Panther three, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and I, I think that one of the things I, I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to explain why it feels so much like a phase three film. Um, or, you know, arguably like a late phase two film, but it's, and I don't want to get into it much more because I, I, like you said, I want people to experience it for themselves. But I say that here because I feel like a lot of those movies that they're doing so much that it makes them all that more rewatchable because you go back to them and it's like stuff that you didn't notice. Like for me, you know, it, it took me, a while with like age of Ultron or even civil war to really like catch all these little things that they're doing so well, because like, there's just a lot to kind of keep track of. And I think that there are elements of that here where I'm, you know, the black Panther film is pretty straightforward, like not plot wise, but in in terms of what it's doing, like it has a very clear message. And I think that's, a a big part of why it resonated as much as it did. And this also has really, really like several really effective messages, but there's just, there are more of them. There's more going on. There are more characters introduced here, more threads to kind of pull on. And so I think that that, you know, my final thought would be that will be where people either kind of tilt towards like loving it or towards like liking it. If that makes sense. Like, like you said, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's going to be like polarizing. 
you know, like I think I told Candace or, or we said this on the podcast. It's the difference to me between like walking out of, of Love and Thunder and saying, you know, it's basically a zero or a 10 movie, which is what a lot of people did versus walking out of this. And I think a lot of people saying it's going to be somewhere between like it's like a seven to nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where I think people will ultimately and, and the thing that determines which side of that you land on will be how much you like some of the the kind of quote unquote auxiliary stuff that's happening here. Sure. Because, wow. That's totally right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to end up getting like 84%. That's a total shot in the dark, but yeah, that's kind it's of been be my like prediction a, or like an 86 or something where, yeah. Cause I just can't see people coming in and being like rotten, 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 right. You know? Right. Whereas some people would do that for Thor. That's so true. Like some people were like, Oh my gosh, top five MCU. Right. No doubt. Well, and like we're you like, said, this is garbage. It's unwatchable. Bottom five. I don't get it. <laughs> right. No one's going to have that response here. And, yeah. I mean, from a Rotten Tomatoes perspective, especially, it'll be interesting because you're always so, so good with that, with one, like predicting them. But also, I think you have a good understanding of how that, where that number comes from. And, and we always talk about like Pixar sure. movies and how it's like. Right, 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 right. You know, it's not it's not ninety percent because people are saying it's it's an A movie. It's people saying it's that many people saying it passes. Right. And I think it's just gonna be really like I don't see a ton of people walking out of a movie like this and just giving it a thumbs down. <laughs> like I just totally. uh but you know, I am really yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. This is like I think it is the more I've, I've sat with it, the perfect conclusion to phase four. And I think what I'm really excited about now is to kind of come back to this after our initial reactions episode, after people have seen it, after you and I have seen it a few times and use that as a mechanism to reflect back on really all of these stories that we've gotten since Endgame. Great minds think alike, Rob, because <laughs> that was going to be my final transition, which is if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, you now know that we like to attack these movies in three or four parts and it mm -hmm. helps tell the whole story by the end of it. This is part one, which is previewing what we saw and, and we've had a week to think about it a little bit. Part mm -hmm. two is we just walked out of the theater. It's a freaking two hour initial reactions, just visceral. Like it's late at night. What are we feeling emotionally having mm -hmm. just seen a new entry into one of our favorite things ever in the reason we started this podcast, right? Then part three allows us to kind of come back, give a lot of time in between it, watch it a few more times, watch it with our loved ones, watch it with our friends, and then come back and fully reflect on what we can take away from it. Big picture, how does it fit in the MCU and rank it? And that is kind of a few weeks after. Mm -hmm. And then if not in that episode, we always like to try to get in touch with the creators Right. of the films. And that can be a part four, which is just now here's how we have felt about it from beginning to end. Tell us more about it. Like tell us what went into making it. Like what mm -hmm. were you thinking when you did this and this and this and this? And I, I love that rhythm. That's my whole point. So this is just yeah. a reminder that this is only one of four parts that are coming when it comes to Wakanda forever. And then next week is only part two of that. And we're hoping to yeah. come back to it and reserve, uh, 
you know, the right to change our opinions on things if it sits with us longer, sits with us differently. And Mm -hmm. especially after talking with people from the film, hopefully we can do that. There's, there's flexibility there. And I'm excited to tell the whole narrative of, of Wakanda forever in the next few weeks. And just to remind people as they're going into this, this is a, a rare film, uh, even within the MCU, that is the the closer of a phase. You know, like we've so far, we've only had three of those in the past. Uh, one was the Avengers, which is both the close of phase one and the close of our phase one within the the watch order here. And then after that, Marvel started the trend of kind of big event movies and then the epilogue. So you had Age of Ultron, then Ant-Man, you had Endgame, then Far From Home, and then now we'll have Wakanda Forever and the Guardians Holiday Special. We have always liked to kind of finish off the phase with the big finales and have often found that those epilogues work better elsewhere. I say all that to say, you know, go into this it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big, like, aside from all the emotional weight there, which is palpable, it's also like a, a Marvel event movie, you know, like on par, at least according to Marvel Studios, with those films we just talked about, with these big Avengers, like, status quo shifting movies. So I think that that in and of itself is just a little, it's exciting and it, it feels, it feels kind of like we're back in it, you know, like it's it's like, uh, OK, this is we're now seeing the narrative again. Like so much of phase four felt like we were kind of getting our bearings and figuring out what went where. Uh, so, you know, think about this as the culmination of everything that that we've been watching over the last what two years. We have so many things to get into over the next few months regarding phase four zoomed out. What do we expect for phase five? Mm -hmm. What awards can we get for phase four? We're going to have time to get into that stuff a little bit later, but I want to close today by asking you to rank our screener experiences. What would you say now that we, you know, cause phase four was the beginning of screeners for us. Mm-hmm. It was the first time we'd had new content as a new podcast. Uh-huh. And now looking back, I, here's what I think I would do. I think I would say Thor Love and Thunder won because it was the world premiere. And right, that was right. the wildest thing ever to do. Mm-hmm. I think I would say Black Widow second because it was our first ever screener. Uh-huh. I flew to Austin. We felt so special in that theater yeah. that first day. And maybe because it was a film that was you had been pushed back so much and it was what was the I just first remember, yeah. I'm yeah, I remember leaving being like, that was such a special experience. Like, we were on cloud nine right. outside doing an Instagram live. And it was at Not Alamo, was, which is like yeah, always fun. Yeah, that was that was a really fun one. Then I think I would go, and tell me if you disagree with this order. I'd go No Way Home 3, but I know you were so uneasy about mm. that film the night of. But I wasn't. I was yeah. like, let's freaking go the second I walked out, which was a unique experience. And then I kind of talked you into it Yeah, from like yeah. 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I See, I almost think I would go Wakanda Forever in the number three slot. That would be about my three or four. Not Again, not the, not the movie, just the mm-hmm. experience for us. That would be my three and four. Like, yeah. You could probably interchange those two to me. I, I think that 
this is so yeah it's so funny because no way home is is one of my highest ranked mcu films right but i'm talking screener experience right 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 i think that because i was just so i was i was trying to figure out like i don't know what it was i was just shell-shocked for a while the thing about no way home if if we were ranking i think the initial reactions episode like my experience recording it that might be my number one because the yeah, episode, it was so fun. It was super fun. I I feel like it was the most I've ever actually gotten to process things live, and and I felt like it was just. It's like it, I think that is what I would always like the initial reactions episodes to feel like. That one. That's that one. like your that meme of the Pope, you know, like holding right. something. That's you. <laughs> right, that's this right. one. <laughs> but I think so. So on the it's one also hand, probably the most tired. Remember, I was kind of sick. Yeah, and yeah. tired. Like we stayed up to like two. That's true. And I could hardly talk at the end of it. Legit. Man, and I, yeah, I, I mean that. Yeah, yeah. that was. And, and and yeah, I mean that was fun. For That's why I say three. That's why I say three. I think. But I think that that like I almost separate those out. Like uh, the other screener that was really fun for me that I might also put ahead of No Way Home, which is crazy, was the Multiverse of Madness screener because <laughs> see Candace yeah. went. Because Candace went with us, and Candace yes. loved that movie, Love, and yeah. so that made it super fun. Like because it, I mean, because you and I uh, always like, generally love it, but because Candace, like, it's it's so rare that I see her get like really fired up about a Marvel project like that. Sure. So sure. I was like, so I that undoubtedly influenced my headspace whenever I came into the <laughs> reactions episode for that because it was just fun to kind of. See, I'd go No Way Home 3, Wakanda Forever 4, that movie, Multiverse of Madness 5, because I'll never forget, we didn't force this. My legit first reaction walking out of the theater was like, oh, and I fell on the ground like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I have to now live with this, that my favorite character Mm -hmm. is now this. (laughs) And like... (laughs) But yeah, that was a fun, it was fun having Candace there. That was a fun memory too. I think I'd go five there and then I'd go Shang-Chi six. That was kind of last minute for us. If you remember yeah. that. And, and we ended up getting really distracted and talking about uh, like War. Endgame and Infinity <laughs> War in the lobby. And we never recorded that night. So that was different. We right. recorded like the next day. So that was kind of less fun. And then Eternals is my bottom one because we didn't watch that one together. Right. It was fun to bring Annika, but we did those screeners separately, and that's never as cool. And so I was almost my, late because part. Cheesecake Factory yeah. took way too long bringing our food out. <laughs> that's right. Um, no, I. What a fun time! That uh, which, by the way, that's yeah. I mean, that's that's another Eternals is another fascinating example of of a difference in like initial initial reactions versus where things landed. Uh, if you could attend one world premiere next year, which one are you choosing? Oh man. If they're like, hey, you guys can go to one, seating is limited. I for me it's Ant Man. I think I think it's probably Ant Man for me too. It's, it's it's Ant-Man, I think, even over the Guardians. Yeah. I just I, also think it'd be really cool to brush into Paul Rudd somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think especially with that new trailer, uh, that one would be and I mean Jonathan Majors, come on. Yeah, let's go. Well, Guys, like Robbie said, next week is a big event. It's another massive entry into one of your favorite things. So as we do every time on these episodes, Mm -hmm. we both implore you to just enjoy it. 
really enjoy it. Robbie and I legitimately had a discussion walking into the theaters trying to psych ourselves up for, let's not watch this like we're critics. Let's just watch this like we're MCU fans because you only get this experience once. And it was so fun to just watch it free of preconceived notions. Right. It's a good enough film that you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about stuff going in. That's a great point. Just go in. Don't think it's going to ruin any of your favorite things and just have a blast watching a thing that we actually get very little of. Yes, Marvel is putting out a ton of content, but these massive experiences still only happen two or three times a year. And so I hope you have a blast. Robbie hopes you have a blast. Stay in touch with us on social media and our website, the FFWpodcast.com, because we'd love to hear your thoughts on this film when you get a chance to see it next week. Let us know what you think of our initial reactions. Do you agree with us? And then stay in touch with us so we can announce the winner of the EpicHeroShop.com giveaway. And there's just so much stuff coming up. I can't wait for you guys to see it so we can talk about it freely next week and then beyond. And then, holy cow, we're already almost up to phase five and we'll really get going in the next few weeks. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are so grateful for you. Stay in touch with us and we'll talk to you next time here on Friends From Work. Friends From Work.